welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tailgate. I'm your host, Rob Christian, coming to you from the Lauderdale Hospitality Group Studios. With me again are our co-hosts, Alex Christian and Bo Parker. Big weekend sports uh, this week. Uh, we'll recap you know, everything that went on in a big uh, SEC week one for you. Uh, last week, and then one of the best sports weeks that we've clearly had so far of the year. A lot of stuff going on. Alex Bo, how are we feeling about you know how things turned out last week, and looking forward to a huge week in the sports world coming up? Never been this excited. Yeah, this is definitely the most stacked week of sports that I can ever remember, especially on the pro side. Um, you you look at what's going on in the NFL. We crowned a Stanley Cup champion. Baseball playoffs are back. We got the NBA finals starting, not to mention college football. But another thing to uh, that, it's also starting this week. It's also officially the start of spooky season. That's right. Get the candy, get the Halloween decorations out. And speaking of spooky, aside from you just not being totally creepy by putting up Halloween stuff in the middle of September, um, did you all see what happened at the French Open earlier? I did not. You were telling us about it, you know, right before we went live. (laughs) Yeah, no, a fire pilot decided to, you know, pull a ghost rider, went full Maverick and buzzed the French Open, freaked everybody out, apparently had a sonic boom that, Everybody was in mass hysteria for a few minutes until everybody's like, hey, false alarm, guys, don't worry about it. We're not being bombed. Uh, but the, the first official start to spooky season is a sonic boom over the French Open. Man, that was just the reshoot for Top Gun 2. That's why they delayed it. They had, to, they had to stick Tom Cruise back up there. He had to go save France. Yeah, we got Bob Rink out there trying to receive a serve and just looking up, and Tom Cruise is completely inverted. Is there a better ad for that movie? That's awesome. Yeah, no, that was awesome, and I'm I'm so excited to uh, to start talking about what's what's happened these last couple of days. And you know, the biggest thing that we focused on last week was definitely the SEC coming back. And boy, was it ever! And Bo, the state of Mississippi looks a whole lot different right now. Man, you're telling me the state of Mississippi is about to be the capital of college football. It's not going to be this year, but give it two, three years. Lane Kiffin recruits some of his guys in there. Mississippi State was so fun to watch. They were setting records left and right. Everybody said, you know what they said. They said, Mike Leach, that offense, it, you know, it works in the Big 12. It works in the Pac-12. They don't really play defense out there. But the SEC, it won't work. Well, boy, did it ever. They went up against LSU, against the defending national champion. Edward Ron was talking up the, the defense, you know, all, all leading up into this season. And he set all-time yardage records, all-time passing yardage records with a new quarterback, some smart dude from Stanford. So fun to watch. Mississippi football is back, and it's big time. And I was on that uh, Big 12, you know, Pac-12 train. It's not going to work, you know, in the SEC, and I will be fair. Um, 
with uh, LSU having about 17 starters out compared to the last game that they played. But, wow, that was just amazing to watch of what Mike Leach's team could do. And K.J. Costello from Stanford, like you mentioned, what what does that make you think about David Shaw and that Stanford offense? They've just been letting that sit. Twelve quarterbacks have broken 700 yards um, that much in uh, the last uh, 20 years, I think. Uh, Twelve quarterbacks have done it. Seven of them played for uh, played for Mike Leach. I'm not sure if that was 700 yards or 600 yards, but seven of those 12 have played for Mike Leach. Oh, yeah. What are we missing, man? I mean, this, this air raid works. It works, and it's fun. I mean, think of the guys that he's going to be able to recruit out of, say, South Florida or Louisiana. You know, these guys that are blue-chip star athletes that he's never had before. Right now, he's competing with wide receivers that he didn't recruit. Think about it. If he starts getting in his guys that really want to be there and catch for 1,100 yards a year, this team, this is dangerous. Did you, you think see... Alabama and Auburn were good a few years back? Mississippi, Mississippi State, and then you got Coach Prime down south. They get Lane Kiffin over at Southern Miss, or not? I'm sorry, not Lane Kiffin. Uh, you freeze. They get you freeze back in the state of Mississippi. He moves from Liberty over to Southern Miss. It's going to be electric, electric. Did y'all see the, the uh, that picture of Lane Kiffin riding that wagon or whatever it was? After the game, the picture that they put out. Uh, Mike Leach, not Lane Kiffin. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike Leach. And then you have Lane Kiffin over at Ole Miss with a let's fucking go, you know, shirt wearing it to his own, his own press conference with the old with the old SEC logo. Well, yeah, to Leach driving the bandwagon is still one of the, literally, he had members of the band in the wagon. It, awesome. Just completely awesome. Yeah, I mean, Alex, you just, mentioned like Leach wait for him to get his guys in there this Lane Kiffin's put up a lot of points and played they played serious offense against a very good title contender um, yeah, I mean, yeah you look at Florida jumps all the way to three but they had a historically awful defensive day no team in I want to say it was SEC history but it may have been in college football history had such a bad day allowing 70-plus percent of completions and all of these different things and went on to win after allowing that many points. It was it was a crazy stat, and I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry, but it was one of those that, you know, Feinbaum's like, yeah, you know, Florida should jump. They'd be a very good team, but, you know, that defense, it's going to raise some issues when they go up against the big boys, you know, like a Georgia who – Seemed to struggle a little bit, especially early. They started to figure out the quarterback situation. I still don't think it's set. I think they've got three guys, which means they have negative one. Um, I really don't think that that team is offensively quite right. They're going to have to rely on the run at least early in the year. But their defense is fantastic, as it was projected to be. Um I think outside of LSU, Mississippi State, you know, the big surprise was Texas A&M laying a complete egg against Andy and winning by what was it, uh, seventeen or eighteen to twelve? Yes, seventeen so it to was twelve. Seventeen to twelve. 
that is not a good look the week before you have to go and have uh, Nick Saban on your schedule. And I just want to, I just want to bring this up on the side, you know, as we kind of go over those games. It was one, one of my favorite, you know, stats of the week in, in the SEC, where um, we had two games go to the half at the score of seven to five, and then your Auburn Tigers went to the half eight to seven against Kentucky. Yeah, and just to if if we had clipped last week and talked about my game recap after I quit having my nervous breakdown. Oh, you contrarian bastard. I was completely right on how that second half would shape up. Auburn would win by two scores, keep it low, and the under hit. Nailed that game. Feeling good going into Georgia. We, we didn't clip anything last week. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> good for me because I don't think I got a single pick right, but that's okay. Yeah, outside of that, you know, there's a lot of chalk. Uh, you know, Tennessee barely covers. You know, you had Alabama just completely blow the doors off of Missouri. Arkansas, you know, what else can you say? Just poor Sam Pittman. Mm-hmm. But as as badly as you feel for those bottom feeders in the SEC, you might have to feel worse for the Big 12 and their crown jewel, the Oklahoma Sooners, and then the near-fatal catastrophe that was Texas last week, T-Rob. Yeah, when you look at that Oklahoma team, Spencer Spencer Rattler threw what three picks in it. There was Heisman hype behind it that he was gonna, you know, be the next in this line of great Oklahoma quarterbacks to win a Heisman. Uh, they end up losing to Kansas State, thirty-eight to thirty-five, second year in a row. And remember that this was a Kansas State team that lost to Arkansas State, you know, earlier in the year. Not a great look for them. I blame the Texas Tech loss. Some might say the Texas win. I blame the Texas Tech loss on the horns down. I think the college football gods do not like people saying that Texas is not back. Horns down comes out. Texas comes back and win. How they are still in the top ten in the country astounds me. I don't know how that works. Oklahoma State bounced back uh, a little bit. Uh, Baylor, you know, uh, runs a runs all over. Uh, Kansas, but that was pretty much that was pretty much expected. But not a whole lot of good coming out of the Big Twelve. Iowa State, you know, uh, won on a thriller against TCU, thirty-seven, thirty-four. But still, bad look overall. The Big Twelve is the Big Twelve is down. Texas is not back. I don't know if the Big Twelve will ever be back. Yeah, I mean, the only reason Texas is top ten is because they didn't give us a vote in the AP poll. If they gave us a vote, they there's no way they'd be top ten because they wouldn't they would not be ranked anywhere. I got fun stat of the week for you. Three minutes left in the fourth quarter in that Texas Texas Tech game. Texas Tech had a ninety nine point six percent win probability based on historical stats, where the ball is placed, all of that. Ninety nine point six. So probably. The only team this year to blow a greater win percentage chance would be the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that's right. Exactly the Falcons. <laughs> they're the Falcons of college football. Uh, oh, well, maybe, yeah, when Dan, maybe when Dan Quinn gets fired, he can go to Texas Tech. Yeah, tur- turn it around. 99.6, we're going to get it to 99.9 and then find a way to lose. 
Yeah. It's those little margins that you want to improve on with the program. You just need that little bit to take you over the top. That's right. Yeah, but then, you know, talk about needing a little to get over the top. There is one program that needs a whole lot to get over the top, and that's Florida State. I mean, half SU is really doing justice to their name right now. I mean, they got demolished. I mean, they just straight up, they didn't even show to play. And I think they play, no, they play Jacksonville State this upcoming week. That's not a guaranteed win. Oh, that dangerous out-of-conference game that those ACT, ACC teams are playing, they might get hey, the Notre Dame curse. Don't sleep on the Gamecocks. You of all people should know that. Yes, Ole Miss has lost to Jacksonville State before. I actually got to call an Ole Miss-Jacksonville State softball game one time for radio, and, you know, they gave us a run there, too. I don't like playing Jacksonville State in any sport. Yeah, so sneaky teams that just have your number. And, you know, that, it, it was a wild weekend in college football. So glad it's back. And the other thing that we look forward to every weekend as we talk about what's happened these last few days, it's the NFL. And it started last Thursday night with a, a beautiful moment in Jacksonville. In the lead-up to it, even the press conferences, uh, the back and forth between Fitzmagic and Minshew Mania was beautiful. And then Fitzy just puts the hammer down and uh, and starts laying it to Jacksonville for the Dolphins' first win. And, Rob, as a fellow Dolphins fan and true Fitzy Homer, um, is this the start of a turnaround? Do you think we might be able to string some together? No, this Dolphins team can definitely win some games. Coming up uh, this weekend against Seattle, I think that's going to be uh, quite tough. Don't think the Dolphins are going to pull that one out. We see probably, you know, it, it hurts to say, but, you know, arguably a better Dallas team have a shootout with them and they couldn't pull it out. Um, you know, if Dallas isn't beating them, I don't think the Dolphins are going to beat them. You know, but it was a great show and great to get that first win. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, great look after the game, telling his kids to go to bed in the Hawaiian shirt, unbuttoned all the way down from the frat party. He had been there for about five hours, it seemed. Um, great look for him. Great post-game interview. Uh, look at those uh, Dolphins wide receivers, though. I mean, look at Mike Kosicki. He's causing problems for everybody out there. Yeah, the dude's a matchup nightmare. I mean, he's got the body of a tight end and runs the speed of a you know outside wide receiver. Guy, he's, he's the perfect threat in the slot. Um, he's not as physical as Gronk was. He never will be. He lines up 70% of the time in the slot. But at the same time, he really creates a matchup nightmare for either the outside linebacker or the safety who has to deal with that center of the field. If you're playing them, if you're playing him in man, he's going to go over the top of you. If you're playing him in zone, you sure as hell better chip him. So I, I, I like this aspect of the offense. I, I think that Chan Gailey is starting to really click here. Um, and, you know, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, you know, in making fun of Atlanta, another historic loss. Um, no team has ever lost two games with a 15-plus point lead in the fourth in the same season. They've done it in back-to-back weeks. 
Um, and now they've got the Packers, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and especially considering how completely unstoppable Aaron Rodgers is a look. I mean, it, it's really to me a you know two man race at the top for MVP right now between Aaron Rodgers and Danger Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, Patty Mahomes, come on, yeah, guys, arguably the best player in the league. But if you're looking at the most valuable player to their team right now, it's Rodgers and Wilson, and I don't think it's close. So what do you think? It didn't help Russ if his uh, wide receivers didn't fumble right before they crossed the goal line on the easiest and the prettiest 60-yard pass I've maybe ever seen. But yeah. You know, we'll figure that out. He's an Ole Miss guy. Ole Miss guy's going to Ole Miss. So he'll get that figured out. I think what's what an interesting stat I saw, Russell Wilson has been, I mean, I don't think you can even argue a top five or even top three quarterback the last probably four or five years. And he's still yet to get a single first place MVP vote in he's, his career. He's deserved to be up there every year, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely is in the conversation every year. And it's true. I mean, like, as you said, Patrick Mahomes is, he's the real deal. Uh, Lamar Jackson is such a talent. And these guys were having incredible seasons. But, you know, I really would love to see this be Russell Wilson here because he really is so talented and he just looks so good. So far, we're only three games in, but he looks amazing. And no one if you throws, listen to Vegas, go ahead, Rob. No one throws a better deep ball in the league than Russell Wilson. And then when you mm-hmm. pair it with DK Metcalf, who, you know, coming out, they had issues with his combine. Now you look back at the numbers and people are like, oh my God, I cannot believe what he did at the combine. The, no, I can't miss. Yeah, the <laughs> the uh, uh, the infamous you know three cone drill that everyone was ripping him for, and they're like, oh, he's only going to be able to run straight down the field and hope to get behind people. Well, he's pretty good at that, and now he's just gotten better at everything else too. I mean, you put him in that Pete Carroll offense, there's no way that they couldn't teach a monster like that to run better routes. Yeah, I mean, it's they were going against the Cowboys team that's ostensibly supposed to be pretty good, and he threw five touchdown passes and it should have been six and and DK still had a pretty incredible game and we had catches all over the field and all sorts of yardage and stuff um I mean this this Seahawks team is for real I could easily see them being the one seed this year and actually easily see Russell Wilson uh be an MVP it's really a question of you know can Aaron Rodgers at a more advanced age, um, can he kind of keep this up throughout the year? That That's really the question to me. Um, and I could definitely see Russell Wilson breaking away in the second half of the year. Yeah, no, I, I can completely agree with that. And Rob, I know we were talking off air about, you know, what could possibly be come playoff time. And the picture that you painted of a Lambeau field playoff game between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in front of no but snowmen would be just 
unbelievable. Yeah, imagine the most miserable games, you know, in NFL history you think of, you know, probably Soldier Field or Lambeau Field. And can you imagine just doing that in December with absolutely no one in the stands? You've got to be kind of reevaluating what you're doing with your life at some point out there. I know they put those heated coils below Lambeau, but that place is a freezing hellhole. The, the heated coils do not work. I've been to one game at Lambeau Field, and they salted it, and they got the heating under the steps, and they got all this shit. And it, of course, melts the ice during the first half, but then you're sitting there, and during the second half, the water that has melted starts freezing back around your boots while you're sitting there. So you get to the end of the game and, you know, the Packers were up by 30 or something and you go to leave and you can't even get up. You can't even leave. You're stuck to the seat. I've heard that's why they tell a lot of people to not even wear long sleeves. A lot of players not to wear long sleeves out there. And you'll see um, and think, you know, it's so cold out there. It's, you know, blinding snow almost. How are these guys out here in uh, in short sleeves? And it's because of once you fall on the ground and that uh, that water gets onto your sleeves and you're freezing your own sleeves, and then your body's going to get that much colder too. I've been to one game at Lambeau as well, and it fortunately happened to be the warmest game. I won't say hottest game because by no means it was it hot. It was the warmest game at Lambeau Field in the month of November ever recorded. So I was very fortunate to be there for that one. I wonder if anybody's tried a wetsuit. Give that a go. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, let's put some of those uh, put some of those speed suits out there, like uh, you know, one of those deep water diver suits on somebody like Marcus Spears, and see them go out and test it. Yeah, we probably got one sitting around here in the Fort Lauderdale hospitality group suites, right? Yeah, we could uh, we could probably wrangle something up. Yeah, but thankfully, our water is hot all year round. No wetsuit needed. No wetsuit needed. Although, Jets fans might need a wetsuit from the tears that they are shedding. Sorry, Bo. But when Dan Orlovsky dunks on you and says that his 0-16 Lions would go 16-0 and against these Jets, that's that's got to be rough to listen to. I, I don't even watch the Jets anymore. You just, you can't, you just can't. It's too depressing. This is a guy who's supposed to be the franchise quarterback. Who's supposed to save a, a long, you know, depressed and be trodden franchise. And here he is going out there throwing three picks, two pick sixes, getting safety. Just one of those weeks. And, and it, you know, it's not just one of those weeks because it's every week with this team. The the I can't even name the third and fourth wide receiver who was active this week because there's so many injuries. And the guys who are hurt, they're all rookies and guys that, you know, got cast off from somewhere else anyway. Darwin did make that one. One pick. Darnold did make that one great play, though, but he was running for his life the entire time and just heaved it up in the air, and it happened to come down. And now the NFL is investigating, you know, the Jets' turf, I mean, Giants, too, but they're actually going to go in and investigate that 
the MetLife injury uh, conspiracy. But I think we're actually going to be on here about every week. And, you know, there's going to be a sad jet storyline, and we're going to we're gonna come to bow. And I think we're going to get the same response every week. Man, I don't even watch the Jets anymore. Man, I... And I think we're going to get to it maybe later in the show, but they, the most Jets thing that's going to happen this year is they're somehow going to manage to not get the number one pick. They're going to lose and lose and lose and then not get the number one pick. Um, but I don't live in New York anymore, thankfully. So I, it's not my local game. My local game is the Philadelphia Eagles. And let me tell you, Eagles fans, they're almost as upset as me and the rest of my Jets fans. Who watched that, that overtime game from Philadelphia this week with Doug Peterson? Alex, does Doug Peterson need to turn in his man card? 100%. You had a guy who last year in his first, what was it, last year, his first ever performance, this kid comes in as a rookie and drills a 58-yard game winner. And then now you back him up to, well, it would have been a 63-yarder this time. And you hunt? Who gives a crap? Herm Edwards is rolling over in the desert out in Arizona going, you play to win the game. Even if you miss it, Joe Burrow still has to get 20 yards to get into field goal rank. What do you do? Take a shot. Take a shot and let the kid kick it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm still with you. And, and Joe Burrow gets that. Joe Burrow, after the game, you see his post-game press conference? Yeah. He said, we tied, which means we didn't win, which means we basically lost. Now that's not that's a tough mindset in Cincinnati, but that's the mindset you have to have in the NFL. Doug Peterson doesn't have it. I don't think I don't think he can, you know, he, he's obviously won one Super Bowl. I don't know how the heck they did that because he does not have the mindset of a winning NFL coach. No, and especially after you saw Joe Burrow almost become the headless horseman uh, midway through that game and have to, you know, miss a play and come back and still the guy's been sacked more than any other quarterback in the league. And he's on pace to only trail in the sacks for a season, David Carr. Huh. Oh no. Yeah. But it's bad. Interesting it's he's bad. still number two in the NFL in completion so far though. But he's you know, he's getting murdered back there. I will say though that maybe this is this might be the turning point, this tie. Uh, maybe it's destiny when you take a look at it. The last three number one overall picks, you look at Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield. All three of them have recorded a tie before they got a win. Wow, now that's a stat. That I did not know. Wow. I'm telling you, it's it's a curse, but this is going to be the turning point for Cincinnati. Yeah, well, you know, the curse for, uh, for Philadelphia might have been getting rid of Nick Foles and, you know, big Richard Foles here. He, uh, he came back for Chicago, let him do a victory, three touchdowns in that second half. Could have been four. Um, he now takes over for Mitch Trubisky. 
is the Mitch Trubisky era done, or does Chicago try to run a two-quarterback system? Absolutely not. I think he's done. <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad backup. They got they they invested a lot of capital to get him. That's a lot of capital for a for a not a bad backup. Love to see Nick Foles, another former Philadelphia guy, Super Bowl winner. I think he could have a lot of success there. It is hard for me to imagine that Mitch Trubisky can get that job back from Foles. Uh, but, you know, I don't think the two-quarterback system thing is completely irrational. You see more stuff like that today. Obviously, it's in line with the Drew Brees, Taysom Hill. Like, could Mitch Trubisky try to be a Taysom Hill type guy? Maybe the poor man Taysom Hill? But I'd like to just state there that Taysom Hill is actually productive. <laughs> As a tight end. Anywhere you put him on the field, he at least goes forward. Well, there's that. But yeah, no, Nick Foles back, and we'll we'll touch on that game again later. Um, but you know, the, the marquee game of the of the past weekend was obviously Kansas City and Baltimore, and for the defending Super Bowl champions to be a three and a half point dog, they shut Vegas. Up. They shut everybody on ESPN up. They shut pretty much the internet up when everybody was all over Baltimore. Rob, how how do you stop Andy Reid's Kansas City team right now? I don't know if you can. I mean, no one could do it last year, and now they're just putting more pieces into the puzzle. When you add a guy like Clyde Edwards Alaire in there, um, you know, I like you said, I cannot believe that they were plus three and a half on Monday night football. I know it was, I know it was at Baltimore, but I I mean, I don't think that matters at all. I took Kansas city plus three and a half. I thought that was free money. It it was free money. Yeah. I wish I had listened to you. Yeah. I mean, why does Baltimore seem so afraid to throw the ball? Like I think, I think they rushed all but five plays in the first half. Well, and then they had to, they forced Lamar into long situations later in the game that they they kind of abandoned the game plan. They lost an identity there, um, and I think that's you know very strange for a team that is so predicated on doing one thing amazingly well to just kind of bail on it and put your guys in a position that they're not normally in. And give um, credit to Kansas City's defense getting four sacks on Lamar Jackson as well. Yeah, I mean, especially coming from a guy who had won 14 consecutive uh, regular season starts. You know, that's that was my thought. It's like, don't overthink this. 14 consecutive regular season games, they've won. Yeah, lay to three and a half. You're fine. Not the case against... This Kansas City team who you know, looks like they are not missing a beat. In fact, they might be better than last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's, that's what the great teams do is they rise to the occasion when they have big games. This was Monday night. This was as hyped a Monday night game as, you know, as any ever. I was as excited for this game as any regular season football game I've ever watched watch, you know, Lamar versus 
Patrick Mahomes. And so Casey really rose to the occasion. Baltimore did not. That's why Kansas City is definitely an elite football team. And maybe Baltimore is not. And I think yeah, no. I think that settles it. We were talking about, you know, the NFC side of it with, um, you know, Seattle and Green Bay and, you know, what's going to end up, which one of them gets home field on the NFC side of things. This was apparently the battle on the AFC side. Who's going to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs? I think it's settled with Kansas City. Not saying that they won't meet up again and the outcome could be different. I still think Kansas City wins, even if they play later on in the year. But I think, you know, effectively that in week three, that locks up, that's going to be home field advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs. And the thing that we haven't really mentioned about this particular game is that, you know, the lack of crowd noise in Baltimore. You know, you put that in front of a rabid Ravens crowd, that game may not go the same way because you're not going to the same cadence that Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, defensively, I think you're going to have to make a lot more silent counts uh, and silent checks. So, you know, it, it's there's a lot to be said about this, um, you know, the whole no fans in the stands thing. And uh, if there has been a tale of the tape when it comes to the first couple weeks of the NFL, I think that's it, is how strange it is to see New Orleans, Minnesota, Baltimore silent. You know, you see those teams, you know, and it's like, whoa, this is this is just weird. And other, you know, opposing teams have said it, and they've said it's been a huge benefit to the road teams. And you're, I think we're going to see a much bigger uh, skewed record when it comes to road teams versus home teams, especially against the spread going forward than we have in any other year. Yeah, that's a great point. We talked about that last week with college football. Everybody thinks about it with those, you know, 100,000 stadium seats that have, uh, you know, all these college students, but it's very much as big and maybe you're right, a bigger deal for some of these NFL teams. Um, you know, Seattle is, is one that I think will overcome it this year just based on talent, but like the one that most striking to me because uh, that's a place that normally is bumping. And it's so weird to watch that place by but... Yep, absolutely. And uh, you know, before we get into the um, happenings of this week um, and, and kind of bounce around a little bit, kind of go a little rapid fire, uh, we introed a segment last week that unfortunately we did not get to, to bring on air. We had a bit of a scheduling conflict with our our main guest, but Rob, I'm going to let you take this one away and introduce our new favorite segment of the week. Yes, we did introduce it last week and, you know, I, I definitely apologize that we were not able, you know, to get it on, uh, for last week's show, but we wanted to give out, you know, some type of weekly award on tales, uh, tales from the tailgate. Um, someone somewhat of an unsung hero type thing. So we came up with the plan, to celebrate uh, offensive linemen who just make great plays, or defensive linemen, we won't discriminate. Offensive or defensive linemen, you know, kind of the bigger guys out there on the field. Uh, We're calling it the thick-ass play of the week. 
to just celebrate, you know, just some just some great moments by some offensive linemen or, uh, or some defensive linemen. There was one similar award that I looked up uh, to make sure that we weren't stealing this from, you know, anyone else, if anyone else had this idea. There is one yearly award that I do want to give a shout-out to because it made me laugh. It's called the Piesman Trophy. I don't know if you all have heard about that one. Uh, <laughs> But that is a uh, that is a yearly award. Last year's winner was a uh, lineman from an offensive lineman from a D two or a D three school. And I'll tell you what, this guy chucked the ball down the field about forty five yards. Um, yeah, as a pass, wide receiver catches it inbounds, but then he goes out at like the two, so it wasn't even a touchdown. But uh, so we wanted to give a weekly award, you know, whether it be a guy who you know gets a sick pancake block. Or, you know, we had a very special one, you know, this past week, and we will introduce that to you here uh, just coming up after this. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce our host of the Thick Ass of the Week segment. He will be joining us here weekly to, you know, honor these guys who have made some very athletic plays for some very unathletic-looking men. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sleeveless J is going to bring you the first Thick Ass moment of the season. Sleeveless? Thank you, T-Rob. Our first thick-ass of the week moment comes from our Monday night football game, Chiefs vs. Ravens. Drum roll, please. Eric Fisher, number 72, left tackle. We, uh, score was 20-27 with 8-20 left in the game. First and goal from the two, and it was the final score of the game. Mahomes floats a pass over the defender to a wide-open thick-ass in the end zone. Makes a surprisingly athletic catch. So for this thick-ass moment of the week, we're going to give a rating of five Cs for this individual, but we're adding on an extra thick-ass C for the celebration, which which took place in the end zone with a couple other thick-asses themselves playing hot potato with the football. Thick-ass hot potato session? Yeah, that definitely yeah. earns an extra C. All right, well, thank you, Sleeveless Jay. I think it was a very successful. We had a very good lead-off one for... You know, for this, um, I don't know how many more we're going to get fortunate on with an offensive lineman catching a touchdown, but a very good start to the week. I think that's a very good omen for this segment. Thank you, Sleepless Jack. Thank you, T-Rob. And we want to thank the one and only Sleepless Jay for joining us for the thick-ass segment of the week. As we finish that up, we want to move into, you know, some other big stories that came out uh, this week. And we move on to a league where the finals have just wrapped up, uh, the NHL. Uh, Alex, I know you were paying uh, particularly close attention to what was going on up in the bubbles. Uh, What's your take on the Dallas Stars and the Lightning? Yeah, no, as a Florida Panther fan, I sincerely hate the Tampa Bay Lightning. But good for them. First Stanley Cup win since 04, Victor Hedman who is an absolute monster of a human, uh, was a number two overall pick out of Sweden like 10 years ago. He won the cons Mike. Dude had one of the best postseasons, if not the best postseason ever by a defenseman. Um, and you know what? The bubble worked. For the first, this is the first major championship that we've had in the bubble. Good for the NHL. Although, you know, if you've got to choose places to be, Toronto and Edmonton, not really where I want to be. But, uh, Hey, good for them. Tampa, at least you brought a championship to Florida, even though it wasn't my side of Florida. Uh, speaking of championships coming to Florida, 
Let's transfer over to the NBA. The Heat taking on LeBron and the Lakers. This is a dangerous matchup for L.A. You know, Tyler Hero and his hottest girlfriend are just owning the bubble right now. Bam is a monster. And he's honestly a legit force in the post against AD. I'm going to be interested to see how they you know, really play him uh, against either AD or Dwight Howard or a combination of both. Uh, Jay Butt is killing it. But ultimately, you know, LeBron and AD are the two best guys on the court every time they step out there. I'll tell you um, what, I'm, I've been just so excited to watch, you know, the NBA lately, and some people are saying that the bubble didn't work or, you know, kind of even going back to what we were talking about in the NFL. Uh, if there's no crowd, you know, uh, does it actually affect the outcome of the games? I think a lot of people were still going to end up picking, you know, either Boston or Miami to play the Lakers from the West. I don't think that really changed the outcome of the league, um, you know, that much at all. And Miami has really had pretty much of a breeze throughout the playoffs, and they've been, I mean, it's been amazing to watch, and not just saying that as a Heat fan. I actually want to go and see whoever actually hands out the Rookie of the Year award. Like, whoever sends the actual award to John Morant this year, I kind of want them to go pick that award back up from him, and nothing against John Morant. Great player and great season. But I want to. I want them to actually go pick that trophy back up and award it to who it needs to go to and Tyler Hero. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, look, can Bam really, like, is he really a force against AD, to use your own words? I don't know. Like, it seems like the Lakers are clearly outmatching the Heat in terms of talent here from an objective standpoint. But I would just love to watch the Heat win this series. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about the bubble is that it brings out whoever the actual best team is. You know, you factor out, we talked about it with Baltimore a little bit ago. You know, take the crowd noise, take the home field out of it. Put everybody in a bubble on an equal playing field. It's the argument that we've had for years. Oh, if this game were played in a vacuum, who would win? Well, we're finding out. And right now, Coach Spo, that team is, he outcoached Brad Stevens. And that doesn't happen a lot. Um, so I... My heart and my gut say the Heat in seven, but so many of the fantastic basketball brains out there that have watched every second uh, of the entire playoffs, they have the Lakers in six or seven. I can completely understand that. But, Bo, I know you're a baseball guy. Do you believe in superstition in sports? Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, anybody who has played baseball has to believe in superstition in sports, especially a pitcher like I was. And if you believe in superstition, Alex, I think you got to take the heat, right? Yeah. No, I, I absolutely do. And I, out of superstition, completely believe that I am the X factor in the series. I am the X factor. You look at it, though, and historically, uh, Iguodala and Jimmy Butler are actually one of the best defenders overall across LeBron's entire career to actually limit him. So I think that's going to be a very interesting matchup. I think the Heat might be able to pull it out here. Well, what's with the stats, man? Yeah. It boils down to Alex. It really does. And it, it, it involves me because any one of the games, this entire playoffs that I have listened to or watched, for more than seven minutes, 
we have lost. All three games that we've lost this postseason, I have watched at least more than or listened to on the radio more than seven minutes. I turn it on, here up by eight. Hey, great. I'll sit and watch this. Oh, awesome. And now we're down by seven. Turn it off. Keep going a 19 to three run. All right. I'll just watch it on my score app, check it in every 10 minutes. Every time I've done that, the heat of one. So I am boycotting watching more than seven minutes of any game in this NBA finals just so that I can prove that this is happening. And the game is about to tip off here shortly uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday night. Ask me about how this take went after game one. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see. But if my theory holds true and the heater up, you know, two to one come this time next week, I, I, I might just, you know, have the power shut off to my home. Yeah, no, I, I love. I might shut the power off to your home. I no, love. Then I can't be tested for it. I love the superstition, you know, behind this though, and I think with any sport in any location in the country, if you go to any, you know, self-respecting guy's house that is laid out on the couch on a you know, Sunday or a Wednesday night for basketball or something with a frosty beer and a cup holder and a koozie, that guy has also thought that him watching that game or whatever team he cares about, that he is single-handedly impacting his team's performance. Whether it be, you know, a Jets fan who sat there for the last 20 years and been miserable, it's still his fault if he turns the Jets on. No, why you got to do that? There's nothing you can do to make the Jets win. (laughs) Believe me, I've tried. There are no superstitions. They're just bad. Here's what I want to know. Because as you said, I'm a big baseball fan. Rob, I know you are a big Marlins fan. What are you doing this October to make sure that the Marlins win the World Series? I'm going to put on old Marlins jacket, as we all know, as we all should know. uh, The Marlins have never lost a postseason series uh, they've come from uh, from the wild card both times, 1997 and 2003. I do not care about any work obligations. I will be sitting right on my couch. I will get a beer out, and I will be just like that hypothetical New York Jets fan that if something goes wrong, I will be turning it off, but I cannot force myself to not watch an entire game. I will peek an eye back at that you know, at every inning. I did it today um, after we, um, we had a leadoff double. Um, so man on second to start the inning, I believe it was the fifth Marlins then refused to bunt. And I think we popped out or something like that. And I had to go out of the room for a Miguel Rojas at bat, went upstairs, took a little breather, came back down, two guys on and we're good to go. Man, I, I am so excited to watch this MLB postseason. We're already a little bit into it. And I can't tell you how disappointed I am to see Houston sweep Minnesota in the first round. But I really do think Miami, if the Heat are a team of destiny, the Marlins could be a team of destiny. Don't sleep on them. I think they really could make it a couple rounds or even all the way. <laughs> Viva los Marines. Hot and pans, Hialeah. Hot and pans. If there was ever a year for some of these teams that, and look, 
I will, I really hope they go back to the five team in each side postseason after this. That would keep the Marlins out of, of the postseason. That would keep the White Sox this year out of the postseason. Those are teams I legitimately think could make it to the World Series this year. So if there was ever a year, though, for teams to do that, it's this year when they get to play a three-game set to open up. Look at the White Sox. If they can beat the A's tomorrow night to win the best of three-game set, they get to go play another six-seed, another team that shouldn't be in in the traditional format against the Astros. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'll just throw my picks out there and then uh, – and then we can maybe move on to the next thing. But uh, I, I got I got Yankees, Marlins, repeat of the 2003 World Series. But I got Yankees winning it in six. What What do y'all got? I've got to take the Marlins. I mean, you know, just on history, I don't know why everyone isn't going to take the Marlins to make it there. <laughs> They're going to win the whole thing. Um, you know, is uh, I I kind of agree with you. Um, I don't think the A's are going to pull it out. Um, or did the A's? Uh, is that series over already? I didn't even get to that see one one. I was uh, I was watching that before you know we started recording. I didn't see the end of that game. Um, I'd go with you. You know, rematch of two thousand three. Um, Yankees Marlins. If the Marlins somehow uh, in some unholy way do not make it to the World Series, I'm going to take. Uh, the Braves, and talk about the Braves uh, just for one second. Uh, it took them to having to play the Cincinnati Reds, which should tell you something, but they snapped a uh, nine-consecutive postseason streak of losing the first game. So we talk about you know uh, bad luck or superstition or something like that. Neither team wanted to win that game today. It took a Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman should be the MVP this year, by the way. Uh, took until the 13th inning of him driving in a run. Uh, both teams, you know, had chances early. The Reds ran themselves out of the game um, uh, pretty early in the game um, with a bad base running error with two outs with guys between uh, going from third to home and first to second. Just bad base running on the Reds' part. Um, you know, good comeback for the Braves. I think this kind of seals the Reds' fate, but the Reds are going to Reds. They really should not be there, but you know, going back to your question, I'll go with you. Uh, Yankees, Marlins, if not Marlins, Braves. Yeah, let's go three for three on the Marlins. Uh, but put them in there. You know, it, let, let's let's just say hypothetically that you know the Marlins still make it past Atlanta. I think it's Kershaw. I, I think they're due. I think the Dodgers are due. Um, and and you know, the crazy thing is I could see him playing Houston and getting revenge in the shortened season. Let, let that be a storyline right there. And that was wow. just so depressing to see the Twins. You know, they had it have yesterday. They, have, honestly, have they won since Kirby Puckett was there? Can anybody answer that? Have they won a playoff game since Kirby Puckett? Uh, they've lost their last 18 now, so... Uh, I Over think, 18, and they did not make the playoffs a lot of those years. What year did Kirby Puckett retire? Uh, 90s. I think they've... They had to have won... 95. 95, I was going to say. I know they made it 
they made it once in the early 2000s. I think they made it in 04, 07, 2010, I know they did. Um, but and yeah. those were all wild card sweeps. Five wild card sweeps is... Wow. I'd probably say at least, you know, 2000, 20 years. Oof. All right. Well, sad day to be a Twins fan. Well, look, this this is going to be the most exciting playoffs we've had uh, maybe ever. I mean, 16 teams in there. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of storylines. We've talked about the Yankees. They got arguably one of the best, if not the best, pitcher in baseball in Garrett Cole. He's just so fun to watch, and they got that electric offense. On the other side, it'd be fun to watch the Dodgers and Padres potentially play in the DS. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you get so used to talking about the Padres and their pitching. We could get to this, this is a Padres team that can hit. Tatis and Machado are just so fun to watch. I think they might have the best lineup in baseball, which talking about a Padres team with a, a great lineup. When was the last time that was? Like, you know, Tony Gwynn. Um, Ken Caminetti. <laughs> the Padres are here to stay, man. That is going to be a good baseball team for a long time, the way that they've built it, and they built it right. They got yeah, the prospects that they wanted, and they've built it from the ground up. I think it's it's almost comparable to, you know, how the how the Astros did it. I think, you know, the Padres acquired a decent amount of these guys too, and now they have great trade pieces, you know, to stay good for a while. Um, they can trade those prospects away, but they're – kind of doing, you know, that uh, breakdown and build up, but, you know, without cheating. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think we remember the Yankees, Red Sox being the the one and four seed playing in a lot of CSs on the AL side uh, in the early 2000s. I think we're going to see Dodgers and Padres playing as the one and four seed playing in a lot of DSs. Uh, here for the next several years. Obviously, you got Mookie Betts on that long-term deal in L.A. Um, they got a great offense and a great staff, and as you just said, the Padres are just absolutely stacked. Um, the two of them are going to be competing for a lot of NL West titles and then playing a lot of playoff games the next few years here. You know, um, uh, not, good not too long ago before you know we were recording this uh, on this Wednesday, uh, Carlos Correa actually was tweeting out, you know, kind of mocking fans who have been on him, you know, all year about that. I do want to bring up, though, that of that uh, core group of Astros, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, uh, Uriel, Springer, and Reddick, only two of them hit over um, 250 this year. It was 60 games, say what you want, but, you know, on that 2017 team, not one of them hit below 280. Knowing what pitch is coming helps. No doubt about that. It, it, and that, how fun would it be to see, you know, there's, there's so many good storylines. I mean, you just said the Dodgers playing Astros in the World Series. That could be a lot of fun. I wouldn't mind seeing, like, uh, like the Cincinnati Reds, if they could somehow, that'd be a dream, you know, a team of destiny, if they could make it the World Series. You see Trevor Bauer constantly tweeting at those guys. It'd be fun to see oh, yeah. him pitch against the Astros in meaningful October baseball. Uh, Trevor Power Hour Bauer. <laughs> what a uh, waste of a start. In baseball. 
What a waste of a Trevor Bauer yeah, start uh, today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while we're talking about the Reds, um, I want to just touch on something kind of off topic, but, uh, Bo, I know we've, you know, kind of had a running joke forever that the best baseball that you'll see are those, you know, traditional middle of the summer games. And, you know, we're just over 60 games in, so we this number of games would be working into that kind of miserable part of the year when you're in June and July, your team's out of contention, but you're still watching the games. You're listening, uh, you're listening to the broadcasters and they have just lost essentially all interest in what's going on around them. And they just talking, they're just talking nonsense at this point. Yesterday I listened to uh, Carl Ravage and Tim Gert, Tim Kirkshin talking about the grateful dead and the merits of the band fish <laughs> yesterday and them also not knowing and trying to figure out how to spell fish, the band. Um, and then today I just wanted to uh, read this little piece of gold that came from the uh, one and only Alex Rodriguez. Uh, to give context, this is Alex Rodriguez talking about Joey Votto. Quote, you know, he's from Canada, but he thinks about investing. He thinks about charities, thinks about his family. No context at all. That just, was the quote? Yep. I you know, there would be something after that. Nope. You know, he's from Canada, but he thinks about investing and charities and family. Do regular Canadians not do that? Was A-Rod trying to promote? He's got that TV show where he gives people business advice, right? Oh, yeah. He couldn't play shortstop for the Yankees, so he became a businessman. I don't know. I'll be looking out for any games that he calls, though, for some more nuggets of gold like that. That is awesome. I mean, yeah, and and look, as I said, I don't really want them to keep this 16-team playoff format. I think that's what you're saying. That's a playoff baseball game, and, and this is sort of what you're getting. I don't think you get that if you go when you're back in that five-team format. Uh, it, it just 16 teams is too many. We Baseball is truly a marathon. We talk about basketball being a marathon followed by another marathon. Baseball is truly a marathon. And I think that the league is not served well by having a bracket this big. I get why they did it for this year. But if I had to pick one thing from this season, there's several things probably. But if I could only pick one thing that we revert back to after this season, it would be back to the only 10 teams in the playoffs rather than 50. I agree with you. How do you feel about the one game, you know, wild card game that they added? Oh, that had to be uh, six or seven years ago. They, they added that in. I don't hate it, actually. I think it, it can be exciting. I kind of like this three-game set. Now, I wouldn't mind if they made the wild card a three-game set just like this. Maybe if you decide that you can't, that you have to get the game done quicker so that you can get to the next round and so teams aren't waiting too long, play the first as a double header, something like that. I kind of like the three game set. It adds a little more meaning, especially after you played 162 to not make the playoffs and then be out in one game. But uh, I actually think there's something worthwhile about letting two wild card teams in. I remember uh, the NL Central a few years ago where you had. Uh, four teams that finished near 100 wins and absolutely deserve to go to the playoffs. One wild card team is probably not enough. 
if that's the only way we can get a second wild card team in there, I think that's worthwhile. Uh, but 16 teams is way too many. Yeah, I'm all about that. Um, that three game set though for the wild card, I love that. Yeah, no, I think it works. Um, but speaking of playoffs that have recently expanded, we are now moving into week four of the NFL season with the first year of the expanded playoffs. One team gets a bye rather than two. We're going to see seven from each league. Let's start with the Thursday night game. My absolutely atrocious, atrocious Jets taking on a Denver Broncos team that, uh, and, and Alex, I think you know what uh, the odds on are this, but they've got, uh, how do you even say this guy's name? I don't think he started a game since middle school. Brett, Brett, Brett Rippin. Brett Rippin. Brett Rippin, former quarterback for Boise State, whose uncle is the only Canadian Super Bowl MVP. Mark Rippon, for what he won with the uh, Washington Redskins back in the 80s. Um, and he is starting in front of the newly acquired boat, Blake Bortles. The Broncos on the road with Brett Rippon are still either a pick or a one-point favorite against the Jets. A loss here. A loss at home against this injury-depleted team. It's gotta end Adam Gates, right? I mean, I and you've gotta you've gotta be praying for a loss here. Oh man, I I would actually be really disappointed if the Jets won this week because. And by the way, if I'm the Johnsons and I'm running this Jets team, I'm firing Gates either way. It's time to get rid of him, and especially. This is the time to do it. You're going to get 10 days before your next game since you get to play on a Sunday, or on a Thursday, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's absolutely the time. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how bad this football game is on Thursday. It's going to be like Big 12 football out there. Man, who would you even yeah, get to I, I don't think it's going to be that. I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't think it's going to be Big 12. I think it's going to be more like a Big 10 in a game that it's, 10 to 6, and everybody feels bad about themselves and covered in mustard afterwards. Uh, it, it just seems like a just disgusting game. Uh, yeah, there's really nothing appealing other than the possibility that Bortles gets in and you get to watch the Jets implode, which from a Dolphins perspective, oh, just such a beautiful thing. <laughs> I think it'll be about as interesting, and it, it took looking up... Um, you know, ripping again to remember uh, who this who this was, and like one of the most high profile games that he played in, and not for not for the right reasons. It was uh, back in 2018 during bowl season when he was uh, ending his career at Boise State. When uh, Boise State played Boston College day after Christmas in the first responders bowl, and that game got into a lightning delay, and the bowl game got declared as a no contest. It will be about as interesting as that, a game that did not finish. I mean, it's such an interesting week, right? Because Monday we had that Kansas City-Baltimore game that is, is just so easy to hype. And now three days later, same week, same work week, 
we have what I think has to be one of the least hypable worst Thursday night games. I don't know what they're trying to do, you know, with the TV situation there. I mean, Broncos were, you know, supposed to be exciting. I don't think anyone really expected them to come out of the West, even if they had, you know, all of their quarterbacks that they've needed. But this was a big, you know, uh, issue with Thursday Night Football when it first got on. They couldn't put the marquee teams, you know, on TV then. People weren't going to watch. And then you got games like the Titans and the Jags back when they were bad. The NFL was trying to hide the Jags on Thursday night or send them to London for a quarter of their games. Then you get, you know, Browns, Bengals, even Dolphins, Jags, you know, right now, just kind of put these guys. I don't know why they just don't hide them at 1 p.m. on a uh, on the Sunday games anyway. But, I mean, well, come on, Broncos, Jets, Thursday night. I mean, if you're going to try to draw something in such a huge week, uh, I guess during when the schedule came out, it wasn't supposed to be like all this was going to be you know, packed right now in the way that it is. But, God, that is just a miserable game that I have absolutely no desire to watch. Yeah, and there seem to be a number of those games this week. I think it kind of split the difference. And, you know, just looking at this slate, guys, let's go rapid fire and just say, all right, do we care? Or is there an actual storyline behind this game? Because I think it's pretty much 50-50. I think half of these games, nobody gives an absolute flying crap. And then the others are like, oh, well, yeah, you know what? I'd tune into that for, you know, just to see at least a half. So we talked about Jets Broncos, and that's a storyline just because of how bad it is. That is the sci-fi movie at 2 a.m. that you just can't turn off, and it's, you know, Sharknado meets, you know, Octocroc or whatever it is. Don't get Sharknado. Hey, I love the Sharknado franchise. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, Dino Croc versus Super Gator or Arachnoquake, these are movies that you can skip. Also, Ghost Shark. But, all right. First of the games here, we've got Cleveland and Dallas. Do we care? Do we care? No. No. Nobody cares. Dallas is 0-3 against the spread. Baker sucks. They're both shitty. Moving on. Seattle at Miami. Maybe watch Russ. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll be fun to watch, but don't think there's a whole lot of substance in there. Seattle's going to walk away with it. Yeah, Seattle's defense is bad. Miami's going to score. Seattle's going to score a lot more. Uh, let's see. Indianapolis at Chicago. This is the Andrew Luck Retirement Game Reunion Special. I'm actually, I like this game. You know, I, I really do. You've got Nick Foles versus Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator in Philly. You've got Chuck Pagano coming back to Indy. Undefeated Bears, home dog, leading me to believe that the experts are really counting on another solid performance from the fantastic Colts defense. I'm laying the point. I'm riding the Colts. Let's not forget yeah. that the Bears are three and zero. I'm I'm going to ride the Colts, you know, with you right now. It's you know fifty three percent of the money is on Chicago, but I'm still going to go with the Colts here. Maybe this is because I was only recently living in in Chicago, but I'll take Chicago in this one. I love seeing Chicago win some games. They are still three and zero, and as good as the Colts defense is, Nick Foles is no. Uh, uh, 
Nick Foles is is no Jets quarterback. I can't even remember the guy's name. He threw three picks. I'm just I'm Take it through. <laughs> so so look, Nick Foles is going to have a better game. I think I, I'm taking Chicago. Is Give it going to is it going to come down to you know if Philip Rivers throws a late fourth quarter interception here? Spreads two and a half though. Just saying, spreads inside of a field goal. He can get away with a late pick. Make it two late picks then. Then no, then no. <laughs> he if, can if do he it. Two late picks. If he if he throws two late picks, give me the Bears. And uh, uh, all right. A quick note: Colts also dropped Chad Kelly again for I think the fourth time as a quarterback in like the last three years. So boo to the Colts, but still going to take him. Fifth time's a charm. Somewhere. All right, we've got in the Swag Bowl, not Swag Kelly, but just Swagger between young quarterbacks, Joe Burrow versus Gardner Minshew. Is it the first time First time Joe Burrow has been favored in his professional career, he's at home, or is it Minshew Mania? T-Rob, who you got? As much as I want to say Minshew Mania... Yeah, I love him. I'm going to say, based on my uh, previous observation on the last three number one overall picks tying before they win, like I said, I think it's the turning point for the Bengals this year. Not saying that they're gonna, you know, make a miraculous turnaround, but they will get a win here. Is my pick. I got them too. This Burrow's finally not gonna get sacked eight times in a single game. I think it. Give him a chance to cook. Give him a chance to, to throw the ball, run around a little bit, have some fun. I think Burrow gets it done. Both teams are 2-1 and one against the spread. Bengals minus three. Uh, you know what? Give me the Jags. I'll, I'll, I'll fade you two. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? New Orleans and uh, Detroit. Early games. Sandy. Okay. Uh, let's get to them in a minute. San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles at Tampa Bay. Do we care? No. I, I just love watching Tom lose any chance. Yes. So, Many yeah, people the, will the only care. Interest is Tom, right? I don't They're going to make the playoffs. It's just about seeding. Yeah. And uh, San Diego, you don't even have fans anymore. They're not even in San Diego anymore. I know. That's why they're the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles, much like the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I watched uh, uh, I watched their game last week after that Cincinnati game. I'm still a fan of Herbert. That would be the only reason that I would watch. Oh, you know. I, I like Air Bear. Don't get me wrong. Air Bear is a dude. But, yeah, I, I don't see much of a game here. I'm not sure I've watched a Chargers game since LaDainian Tomlinson was there. And that's why we don't care. Baltimore <laughs> at Washington football team. Washington stinks. Baltimore's angry. Anybody else care about that? Yeah, don't I, think. I don't, I don't know if it's 20, but if it is, I'm still taking Baltimore. Uh, that spread, I want to say, was like, it was insane. Like 17 and a half in a pro game. It is 13 and a half now. Washington half. still very alive to win the NFC East, though. Let's not. Uh... Let's not forget that. Yeah, let's throw a little bit of entry. They might do that. 
moving on now, we've got New Orleans and Detroit. Is it time for the Saints to hit the panic button on Drew Brees? Absolutely. Time for Jameis, baby. Put him in. Absolutely not. When you look at Sean Payton's record in uh, September with New Orleans, 25 and 26. Once you flip that over to October, Sean Payton with the Saints, 38 and 13. 75% winning percentage in October. They've won their last 12 games played under Sean Payton. That took place in October. Saints. But look, look, I'm going to take the Saints because they're playing Detroit. But the I've never seen Drew Brees play this afraid. The number of times this last three weeks that I've seen him rear back like he's going to throw deep, like he loves to do, like he's one of the prettiest at it in the game for so long, and then just check down to, to Kamara or, you know, into the flat. I, I don't... I don't think Drew Brees yeah. anymore. Michael Thomas practicing again. He's going to get another weapon back. Yeah, and, and that's the only reason I'm not hitting the panic button um, on the offensive side of the ball for the Saints. And, you know, you lose a guy like Michael Thomas who caught, what, 149,000 the guy, he's unbelievable. Nobody's ever had seasons like him. But the defense has been what's been letting them down. That's scary to me. I don't know what's going on out there. Still, Saints win. Because, come on, it's Detroit. They'll blow another fourth quarter lead. Uh, Minnesota at Houston. Both these teams were supposed to be good. But one of them is going to go 0-4. So, Intriguing or not intriguing? I think it's kind of intriguing. I mean, uh, as you said, these were supposed to be decent teams, and uh, one of them's going to have to leave without a win. Um, this Houston team, like, what's O'Brien going to do? Is he going to get fired? Is he going to have to fire himself as the head coach? It's COVID. I think O'Brien's going to have to go fully work from home, fully remote. I don't know how else he keeps his job in Houston in any capacity. I mean, he made that horrible trade that continues to look worse every single week, trading away the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, I think Houston ends up winning this one, but, you know, O'Brien is on the hottest of hot seats to me. Yeah, one of the worst trades in recent memory. There is really nothing redeemable about Bill O'Brien, you know, as a coach, or really as a human being at this point, everything that he does, it just seems goes absolutely wrong. Spread is four and a half right now. Um, I'm actually going to, I, I'm going to take Houston on it. One of these teams, like you said, Alex is going to have to go zero and four. It's, I mean, that's the only interesting part of this game is who sucks more. Yep, and in a complete opposite of that game is who's for real? Is it Buffalo or Vegas? Oh, is it Buffalo or Vegas? Who's real? It's Vegas. I love watching this Vegas team. I love Gruden. I love everything they're doing out there. They are so fast. Josh Jacobs is so fun to watch. I know Ruggs, I think he's hurt. Uh, 
He may be coming back this week, though. Fastest wide receiver at the Combine this past year. Uh, and he and Brian Edwards, they got him later in the draft. He's been the real deal. They just have such fast weapons on that Vegas offense. Now, this Buffalo team, they've looked pretty good as of late. Josh Allen, everybody and their mother was a hater for so long. He's looked pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to learn a lot in this Buffalo-Vegas game. It's definitely a game to watch. I'm taking Vegas. I love all the energy out there at the, the new stadium uh, right off the strip. I can't wait to get to a game out there. Um, and I love Gruden and the speed. But uh, we're going to learn a lot. We're going to know at the end of this week who's for real. Bo's going to hit up those uh, slot machines in the stadium. That's why he really wants to get out there once they let fans back in. And I want to play some poker out there. Today. I bet they have a poker table up there on the second deck or something. I've got to have it in club. I really want to say both of these teams are for real. I love watching both of them. It's, I know it's a 425 game on CBS. Uh, I haven't seen the announcer matchups, but I hope they make that the Tony Romo game and not the New England-Kansas uh, City game. Um, but, I mean, look at what Gruden's grinders are doing out there. And then versus Josh Allen, who... Um, Putting up a great year so far might actually be, you know, from at least a fantasy football standpoint, you know, the best quarterback in the league this year when you couple uh, his passing numbers with the ability to get rushing touchdowns. So that makes it very interesting for uh, Josh Allen fantasy owners. But I think it's just going to be a great matchup overall. I am going to take the Raiders with you. Uh, they are down to, I th- I'm seeing it as plus three right now. I would definitely take yeah, Raiders I, at I, home I, I plus, three. plus three as well. I would like to maybe even take that over. Um, uh, well, love the over. It started at forty nine and a half. Now it's up to fifty two and a half. I would have destroyed it at forty nine and a half, though. Yeah, I'd take that over. Yeah, I'll still take it at fifty three. I don't care. Big offense. That's going over. Um, moving on to a game that you just mentioned: New England and Kansas City. Okay, well, we know that. You know, Sunday afternoon, it's, yeah, that game's, what is there to say other than what the hell does Bill Belichick have up his sleeve offensively and defensively to combat the Chiefs? Something. He's always got something. What I think is so interesting is week one, uh, they run the ball over 60%. Week two, they pass over 60%. Week three, they go back to the run, back over 60% run. This is a team that you cannot define in your pregame, like weekly meetings if you're the the opposition. They're so dynamic with Cam Newton. I think this is maybe even a better Bill Belichick New England team than the one they've had the last few years with Tom. I mean, it's just a younger quarterback who can do a lot of stuff. They are dynamic, and it's, uh, you know, they're tough. Look, Patrick Mahomes is good. I'm probably taking the Chiefs in this. You're going to have to tell me the spread. But uh, New England, they've always got something up their sleeve. I don't know what they're going to do. But Chiefs are minus seven, over under a 53. I think seven's a lot of points right there. I, I think Kansas City, you know, does win it. But I don't think Belichick's going to let himself, you know, get down by that much and we look at them what was it almost beating Seattle and you know that run on the goal line I think Belichick would call that same exact play he'd do it again when you give me what is Cam Newton 6'4 250 6'4 245 or whatever 6'5 
Almost. 6'5", 245, 250. Let him run in the line. I mean, Belichick knows what he's doing. He's going to keep it close. Chiefs uh, Chiefs get out of it, though, but it's going to be a very good game. I agree. Um, Arizona at Carolina. Who cares? Thank you. If you uh, want to watch... Who the hell is Arizona? Is it the team that beat San Francisco or the one that lost to Detroit? If you want to watch Kyler Murray, if you want a guy, if you want to see a guy just run around and blow the defense by, I think going into last week, uh, he had rushed uh, 21 times and he had been untouched on. It was either 13 or 15 of those rush attempts. I mean, the guy is just insane running with the football. It looks like he's in slow motion almost, where he can just stop in the middle of the field and then just completely leave a defender in the dust. Um, that's really the only thing you got going on. Watch Kyler Murray run it around and throw it to uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, but otherwise, don't care. Yeah, Arizona's interesting to watch. Other side of the ball, CMC's hurt. I'm not even sure I can name another play on that offense. It's, uh, they're not worth watching. Yeah, no. Yeah, the Teddy Bridgewater experiment, who, who cares? Uh, speaking of who cares, Giants at the Rams. Rams by 100, right? Oh, yeah. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Giants are almost as bad as the Jets. Only way this game hits the over is if the Rams hit it by themselves. Uh, Philly at San Francisco, kind of same boat here. Uh, I guess we can go back to our Doug Peterson man card comments from earlier. I'm I'm not watching Philly. I, bad things happen to Philly. I'm not I'm not watching it. I, I'm no. it only because it's on the local TV and I have a antenna because. You know, just because I do. So I may yeah. watch it. Uh, Carson Wentz, they're going to run him out of town um, if he doesn't look a little bit better this week. And I don't expect him to. I'm ready to see Jalen Hurts take over the offense. As soon as that happens, this will be a little more interesting to watch. But till then, do we care? No, don't care. Definitely care because of San Francisco 49er quarterback Nick Mullins from the University of Southern Mississippi. Oh. Making the start, Southern Miss to the top. Interesting interesting note, though, on Nick Mullins. Through uh, nine starts, only two quarterbacks with more career yards thrown through their first nine starts. Those two quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck, and he's not behind Andrew Luck by much. It was like 31 yards. Put him in the hole. Do it. Sign him up right now. Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins for the moon. Gonna be, uh, it's going to be the next incarnation of, you know, when Alex Smith took him, what was that, like 13-3 uh, or what was it, 11-3 at the time, and then Kaepernick comes in. Nick Mullins replaced Jimmy Garoppolo permanently. Hey, little guy who's got a whole bay named after him down in Tampa had that happening with Drew uh, Bledsoe, and then you had Kurt Warner. Coming for Trent Green. It's happened before. Guys get Wally Pitt. Uh, and we can only hope on behalf of all of the good people of the city of Atlanta that somebody Wally Pitts Dan Quinn and gets him the hell out of town. Uh, they are at Green Bay. So I, I think this is an, a storyline game because you got to wonder how can the Falcons make it three in a row for grasping defeat from the jaws of victory in a new and inventive way 
of sucking. That is that is why I am going to be glued to this game. I got to tell you, I like Atlanta's odds a bit better in this one for one reason. I think Green Bay gets out to an early lead, and you can't lose in really new and inventive ways, grabbing defeat from the jaws of victory if you're losing the entire game. I think that's the best hope for Atlanta. I mean, being an Atlanta fan would be really cool if you could just watch the first three quarters, but... You asked if Adam Gase gets fired this week. When does Dan Quinn get fired? It's a race. They're going to swap. I I swear. They'll swap. Oh, no. Don't say that, Rob. No. It'll be a trade with a conditional seventh-round pick. Just Don't like, you speak that into existence. Just like oh, when the Dios, brother. Just like when the uh, just like when the Clippers got Doc Rivers in a trade. You're just going to trade your completely inept coaches. Do not speak that into existence. I will not listen to any talk like that ever again. Well, speaking of not wanting to listen to that kind of talk, uh, the game that may or may never be. Pittsburgh at Tennessee, Tennessee shut down, but supposedly we're playing Monday night. It may be Tuesday, but plans are for Monday. This is going to be the most interesting game of the week in the sense that if the team facility in Tennessee is shut down until Saturday and they can't do anything but Zoom meetings and then a walkthrough, and then they beat the 3-0 Pittsburgh Steelers, when I think they're 0-3 against the spread as uh, Tennessee. Holy crap. It shows you that our argument from last week, preseason matters, doesn't. Practice during the week, doesn't matter. You know, it, it, that right there is a storyline in and of itself as to what, when it comes to the preparation during the week, makes the biggest impact over the course of the game. And it might give a little bit of time for guys to heal up, too. You know, um, I'm not sure if A.J. Brown can make it back in that time. That would be a big get for um, for Tennessee. Um, I'm going with the Steelers when and if it actually happens. Um, is that actually finalized for Monday night? I was hearing rumors of Tuesday, which we are all missing out on sure. some good Tuesday night matches, so you might as well put a pretty decent NFL game on there it'd probably be a little bit more entertaining and understandable than what happened this Tuesday night on TV. We are a tentative go for Monday night. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be brutal for fantasy football players. But the uh, I was also seeing the possibility that so Pittsburgh and Baltimore play each other week. No, they share a bye week, week eight. And... Baltimore plays Tennessee week seven. So, yeah, so the way that that was going to work was they were going to flip the bye week. They were going to play this game in week seven, move the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game to week eight. Yeah, 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 That that's what it was. So, anyway, I mean, to the storylines you're saying, though, if, if they play Monday or Tuesday, would love to see it Monday. It'd be fun to get another day of football on the schedule. Uh, if there was a team, that can play without practicing. It seems to me that Tennessee is probably that team. They just hand the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times, and then Ryan Tannehill throws a very efficient 20 passes, 
and that's their offense for the day. So if there was a team that could do it, I think it's Tennessee. It'll be interesting to see. You have to take Pittsburgh, whatever it is. So it's a yep. So that rounds out the NFL. And in the spirit of rapid fire, let's look at the conference that we all love the most in the SEC because I think that, you know, as wildly disparate as our opinions were last week, I think we got a lot of consensus here. And we're, you know, there are really only a few marquee games. So just rattling off what we all have, we have five games that we are all in agreement on, uh, just straight up winners, not talking to spread. We'll touch to that in just a second. Florida at home over South Carolina. We've got Tennessee at home over Missouri. Alabama at home over A&M. Mississippi State at home over Arkansas and LSU going to visit Vandy, all winners, all ranked teams, all straight chalk. It's the easy pick, right? Yeah, I think you can pretty much lock in all those right now. LSU is going to be pretty uppity after that loss to Mississippi State. I don't don't think Coach O is going to let Vanderbilt come anywhere close. Yeah, they could win by 40 against Vanderbilt. Mississippi State over Arkansas. Um, I'll be looking to see Leach keep them up, uh, you know, after a big win against LSU. It's easy to get up against the top 10 team. Can he keep them up against Arkansas? I imagine he can. He's had a lot of success as a head coach before this. Uh, so I'll be watching that so closely. Man, Otherwise, if, easy. If A&M plays as bad as they did against Vanderbilt, Bama might put up 70 on them. They let up the gas on uh, Missouri, too. Um, if any of those games are going to be you know, closer than uh, some people think, I would probably say Tennessee-Missouri, um, but that's about it. I agree with that. A&M is way overranked. Way overranked. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that is a dumpster fire waiting to happen with Jimbo. Um and Tennessee is an 11.5-point favorite against Missouri. I don't know. That might be a 31-20 to 20 game. That might be right on the number. So let's start now and talk about what we think are, you know, two of the best games in the SEC this week. Um, you know, it actually applies to all three of us on a personal level, but we, we really do think that you know, these are two most interesting games in the Southeastern Conference uh, this week. So we will start with Ole Miss traveling to uh, Kroger Field at Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Ole Miss, a pretty good week last week on the offensive side of the ball. Absolutely nothing redeeming on that defense against uh, Kyle Trask and Florida. Lane Kiffin asked in his press conference on Monday if there were any redeeming qualities of that defense his answer was a flat no. Um, really going to come down to if Ole Miss's defense can, you know, put something together uh, this week. We know the offense is going to be there. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, I think I think this game will be much closer than one would have thought even just two weeks ago. This Ole Miss offense, I think, really is the real deal. Obviously, Kentucky's defense is really the real deal, though, as well. Uh, The spread I'm seeing is minus 6.5 for Kentucky. 
I think it'll be within that. Um, I, I could see a field goal separating these two teams. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, this Kentucky defense, I think will be a little bit better than Florida's defense. But I could see Ole Miss doesn't even, they might as well not even field a defense. They might as well just matador defense, you know, hey, let them buy. So uh, we could see some more points than I think Auburn put up against Kentucky. I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss offense is for real. But we're going to find out this week. I think a field goal separates them. I think Kentucky probably pulls it out, but a field goal, anybody can take it. I agree. It's like a you know a Friday walkthrough in in like a hotel room for uh, for any offense playing Ole Miss's defense. And I'll I'll tell you one thing: if it's going to come down to a field goal, or if it comes down to special teams or a kick, Ole Miss is going to lose that game. I'm going to tell you that right now. Um, I'm going to well, take. I don't think it comes down to that. I think you're going to get absolutely smashed on both sides of the line. Um, that said, y'all can score. And it only takes a couple of mistakes from Kentucky, you know, to put you not only back in it, but in a position to win late. Um, if it's going to have, I like the concept of Corral and Plumley in the game together. I think it throws something that Kentucky has not seen in a very long time. Um, no, I, I think that's going to be really interesting to watch, but it's all going to come down to your run defense. I don't think you can stop that monster of an offensive line and that three-headed monster at running back. Yeah, I think that's fair. The over-under is 61.5. If Kentucky wins it, it'll be well under if Kentucky wins it, I think. If Ole Miss finds a way to really make it competitive, keep it really close, then that's that's because the over got decimated. I'm going to go with the over regardless. I think it's going to be Ole Miss, um, you know, almost scoring at will, but I still think Kentucky's going to, you know, run the ball all over Ole Miss. And uh, I think the only way that you can hope on the under is if Kentucky runs the ball so much that it just runs the clock out. I don't think it'll happen. I think they'll just still run through everyone. It only takes about what, 12, 13 seconds to run 100 yards? Yeah. If I had to lean, I would have to lean over just on how well Ole Miss played against Florida's defense, but I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. 61 points, I think that might be on the button. Uh, And this game could be, you know, a 78-pointer, or it could be, you know, 13 to 9. You know, it could be weird in either way. So I, I I don't want to touch the total, but yeah, give me Kentucky to cover fairly. Yeah, big game. Big game for Ole Miss. Lane Kevin would love to get a little turnaround here because Bama is coming up very quickly and would love to have a win on there before you have to go face uh, your former head coach in Nick Saban. Then we move on to another game. Uh, it's got to be, it should be game day. I'm not sure if they've announced where game day is, but it, it, is game day. it definitely should be. Um, number seven, Auburn taking on number four, Georgia between the hedges. Uga will not be on the field. Um, Auburn, Georgia. Alex, what do you think? You're the closest one uh, to this game. Georgia's got some QB issues. Uh, I think JT Daniels has been pretty much cleared to where he could uh, play this week. Um, 
you know, uh, what was his name? Bennett didn't do, you know, too bad late in that game uh, for Georgia against Arkansas. Both teams struggled in the uh, first um, in the first half in week one. We can chalk that up to week one and not as many practices or anything, uh, or anything like that. Um, like we mentioned before, Georgia going to the half seven to five against Arkansas. Auburn going to the half eight to seven against Kentucky. How do you see this one uh, coming out? Well, the good thing that I can say is that Auburn covered, Georgia didn't. You know, we both came out of very disappointing offensive first half, and one team's defense locked down. Actually, both teams' defenses locked down, but one really kind of at least exceeded expectations. Um, when I look at Georgia, I look at a fantastic rushing offense. I look at a great offensive line, but I, I look at a team without any real identity at quarterback, without any real identity in the passing game at all, even on the outside. So when you look at that and you've got Stetson Bennett, a dude who walked on to Georgia originally, went to community college in Mississippi, came back because they needed a dude. And now here he is starting the Deep South oldest rivalry. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that with our secondary, our linebacking core. And you know what? Our defensive front held up pretty dang good against Kentucky last week. Um, that said, we have to limit mistakes. There were a lot of unforced errors, and you chalk that up to it being, you know, lack of summer and fall practice. You chalk it up to a loss of the spring, you know, mistiming. But we've got Bo back. We've got Shivers back. We've got Anthony Schwartz, and we've got Seth, Bay, or Seth Williams. I think offensively we're going to do okay. I think the fact that this game is at Georgia and they have had our number over the last, well, since I went there, um, I still, Auburn's definitely going to cover the six and a half. And I've seen it as high as seven and a half. Give me Auburn and the points. I don't know about straight up, but I like the chances of it happening. Oh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, this game, uh, the over-under I'm seeing is 44.5. I think that sounds about right. This game is going to be all defense. And to me, any game like that, it's going to be close enough that anything could happen. Uh, I, I think if you're betting against the spread, I think you got to take the point. Um, that being said, I think Georgia probably, in a really close one, has the slightly better defense, has the edge there. And so I think Georgia probably gets it done, but it's going to be really close. It's going to be back and forth. I think you got to take the point. That on Auburn. I'm going to lean, you know, Auburn, Auburn money line. Right now I'm seeing it at 205, at plus 205. I'd lean there. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. I think that's a real good bet. Um, as I said, I mean, any any game that is going to be around a field goal, anything can happen, especially in college football. You just need one 
one pass to go the right way, one ball to bounce the right way, one weird play. That can always happen in the SEC. That can always happen in college football. So, yeah, no, I love that money line bet. That's easy. It's not easy money, but it's the right bet. Yeah, if definitely. You, if you had to bet it. <laughs> might, put that in, uh, might put that in tonight. I was able to sneak in uh, while you all were talking about the NFL and sneak in a bet for the Heat to cover tonight. Um, but we are about to wrap up here about out of time. Alex, I think you had one uh, wild card game of the week that you wanted to uh, include here. You want to bring that one in for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, last week, my wild card pick, uh, we couldn't get to it, um, but that was Virginia over Duke at home. That was a lock, and it won. Here is the next crazy lock. And it, you know what? I may just stay with the ACC all year because this is like stealing straight up from people. It is the Campbell College fighting Camels against the Wake Forest Stephen D. I know what you're thinking. You're nuts. But hear me out. Campbell is 3-0 and against the spread this year, is getting 35 points. They should have beaten Georgia Southern. They covered against both Coastal Carolina and App State this year. T-Rob, you know those are good football teams that they have played. I think both those teams would you know, beat Wake Forest outright. Thank you. Thank you. And they were not getting 35 in either one of them. Give me the 35 against Wake. Go Camels, go. Yeah, I'll take the Camels with you. Side note, uh, I don't know what their mascot is named, but it should be Joe the Camel. Give me the Fighting yeah. Camels, plus 35. Bo? I love it. You know, you know, I was probably going to take Wake Forest just because Wake Forest is clearly intimidating enough that they got Notre Dame to cancel their season. <laughs> That being said, that being said, the Fighting Camels, they got Coach Mike Minter. This guy looks like a cool dude. I'm reading his Wikipedia bio right now. He played for the Carolina Panthers. So you know what? Give me give me some of that Campbell energy, little Big South energy. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So you're going to take the plus 35 to a consensus there. I think you, I think you wavered on your pick there, but uh, I did. I I absolutely had Wake Forest coming into this, but you know what? You guys, you convinced me. That was a lot better. That was a lot better than uh, trying to get Alex to walk off the ledge from that Auburn game last week. That was a little bit easier to get you to switch over. Um, Oh yeah. You got to take the big South where you can take them. That's, (laughs) that's definitely a game that I would go and put on. Um, Sunday morning before the NFL comes on while you're uh, arguing with yourself about your fantasy lineup. If you don't get to see it um, on Saturday night, which I don't know why you would get to see it on Saturday at all. Uh, if you're watching that, that might be a little bit sad unless you put a lot of money on the camels. Uh, but definitely go back and take a look at that one. On Don't put a lot of money on it. <laughs> don't put a lot of money on Not it. Not a lot. But if you want to go watch Not it on Saturday night, Take the take the two hours, watch the accelerated game tape, and go have some fun uh, with Campbell. Um, but other than that, I think that's about all we had 
to cover today. Very big, uh, very big week in sports indeed. And uh, we're going to ride everything baseball playoffs, NBA, uh, and college football into next week as well. Uh, so it's really figuring to be things seem like they're almost getting back to normal. I mean, still no fans in the stands, but at least we've got meaningful sports being played and a lot of playoffs coming in and the excitement of college football getting fully back in the swing of things. Every uh, FBS conference now announcing that they intend to play this fall, so uh, it looks like we're going to be getting a lot more packed schedules. Uh, But other than that, um, anyone else got anything before we head out here? Go Broncos. Fire Gates. (laughs) <laughs> every week that's every week every week until he's gone that's that's my closing thought alex go dolphins pray for the best and war eagle go dolphins. Georgia. let's go go marlins let's wrap let's wrap this up tomorrow in chicago and get uh get on that world series path but Thank you all for joining us. I think that's about all the time that we have for today. And we will see you all at the same time next week. Look for us out on Wednesday night. That seems to be the consensus of when we will get this out. So thank you, everyone, again. Uh, Have a good day.